Okay. Um, I hadn't realized it had actually been as long as it had since I had recorded an episode, so I do apologize for that, guys. Um, it does feel good to be back. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, you guys are listening to this. Uh, patrons actually get this on Thanksgiving morning, so if you guys want to get these episodes early, again, subscribe to patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont experience. Uh, I'm in the process of changing everything over. Um, Twitter is not the Derek Lamont experience. It's just at the Derek Lamont, so that's a change, and some other things are happening as well, but here we are. Now, normally episodes drop on Saturday. I didn't have much to talk about, so I was like, well, you know, um, I guess we're just going to hold off. Um Really, really quickly, I do want to go over a few things, and um, this is going to be a two-part episode, so um, <laughs> I'm recording part, and then I have to go back and record the second part because I have to wait for some things to happen, so it's all up in the air. But uh, again, I did want to bless you guys with an episode um, because it's been a while, and it's the holidays, and I want to get... Um, some work out of the way and try to spend time with family because <laughs> um l- let me just be very frank about it so my boss set this metric for us and um we had to attain this metric from monday to the close of business on wednesday and we would get friday off and this first part i'm so i'm recording the first part of this on monday and um we when my cousin because my cousin's a manager, um, and then to his brothers, like, we all work for the company. So um, we're just like, okay, what do we have to do to make sure that we're off uh, the day after Thanksgiving and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so based on what you're saying, this is what we have to do to hit this metric. And I'm like, everybody's got to average this. And then Monday, we just got our teeth kicked in. So it looks like I'll be working on Friday. And to the point where, like, could is it possible that we could come in tomorrow and kick ass and this that and the third sure is it going to happen more than likely no um so you know i don't know um we'll get into all that in a second but um we are going to talk really quickly um i'm gonna get into gaming in just a second but Really quickly, um, well, this is a gaming topic, but we're going to actually start with something else really quickly. So AEW had a pay-per-view of the weekend. I actually didn't see it. I'm not going to lie. I've had little time to watch wrestling because I've tried to create a stream schedule. Twitch.tv slash the Derek Lamont experience, by the way. And uh, I also just reminded myself something else I need to do. Let me make myself a note really quickly. Uh, This pin doesn't work. Here we go. Okay, so (laughs) um, I haven't had time to watch a lot of wrestling. I've watched bits and pieces here and there, and I kind of just figured out how I'm going to attack it WWE-wise, and AEW is going to be a bit different. So anyway, um, the the Bucks and Kenny came back um, at the pay-per-view, and really happy for that. Um, I don't know what's going on with Phil, a.k.a. CM Punk. I know he's been doing some UFC stuff, not actually in the ring, but he's been part of like UFC analyst teams and stuff like that. So I don't know if he's going down that road again. A lot of people are like, don't count out Triple H on getting him back to WWE. Um, apparently, they're, you know, they are still working on some sort of a buyout at AEW because... Um, it just, for all intents and purposes, it's not going to work out there. So anyway, um, Punk said some things about Cole Cabana. Obviously, he called, uh, he said, the people I work with are children, and I'm fucking old, and I'm tired, and this, that, and the third. And um, Phil's, a, Phil's a talented guy. I'll say that. Um, I love seeing Punk. I really do. I don't know if he's getting to the point where it's becoming... Uh, It's more tell than actually show, I guess is what I, I'm, I'm thinking. And my question is this. 
if if we're going to have these sort of dust ups, like everybody wanted to give him the benefit of doubt, especially after we heard, you know, him on Cole Cabana's podcast say this is what Vince and Hunter did and this, that and the third. And it's like, OK, it didn't work out in UFC because maybe you thought that. um Fuck, I don't know. Maybe you thought that you were going to be better in the octagon than you actually were. Um, and I know he trained for it. I'm not saying he didn't train, but OK, so it didn't work out. And then you got back into wrestling and it looked like AEW was going to be a great spot for you. And it just isn't working out. And he had to say those unfortunate things about the people in the company. So Coca Bana uh, was on uh, Conan's podcast, a.k.a. K-Dog from the WCW heyday when Nitro was the shit. He had to say this during his podcast, former WCW TNA star Conan discussed meeting up backstage with Cole Cabana at an AEW event and asking about CM Punk. Quote, when I saw Cole Cabana backstage, I remember asking him, so what's up with you now that Punk is back? He was like, yeah, man, we're not really talking. I go, come on, dude. After all these years, you guys were boys. He said, yeah, man, he just won't talk to me. He would kind of look around like he knew. Um, what in the hell? Uh, now when I look back, he knew that he was probably going to get the axe from Punk somehow or Tony did it to make Punk happy or Punk axed him because now when I think back to that day, I remember telling him, bro, you can't even sit down and just say, hey, let's reset our relationship. He said, nah, man, he won't even talk to me. But anyway, I was happy to see him back because obviously he was the victim of some sort of chicanery there. Politics, he looked good. Jericho did a great job and made him look good. Jericho does a good job making people looking good, look good. Um, so... AEW, I I don't want it to be this way, but it is sort sort of looking this way. There was a time when it was still the WWF and things were working out and Vince felt like a guy was at the end of his rope and he didn't want to pay him anymore. Or some ladies as well, uh, they would go down south to Turner and get a job and they would go to WCW. And it kind of looks like AEW is turning into the same type of thing because... It doesn't work out in WWE and they go on over to AEW. We've now seen Soraya, formerly Paige. We've seen Renee Paquette, uh, you know, John Moxley, Jericho, uh, Paul White, um, fuck, uh, Adam Cole, um, Sammy, Go uh, Sammy Guevara, or I'm sorry, uh, Sammy's wife. Tay, um, Andrade, um, Miro, aka Rusev, um, the fucking list goes on and on. And it's just funny that I'm like, you have to learn from the mistakes of the people that come before you. And it doesn't seem like now they're not running wild with the money and they're not fucking up on booking and stuff like that. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But it just kind of seems like I don't want to say we're headed in that direction because I hope that we're not. But they haven't fully learned from the mistakes of WCW. And it seems as if that they feel that as long as, you know, they don't fuck up booking and don't fuck up money and they're flat in the third and just get loose with the titles that they'll be okay. But I guarantee you WCW didn't think that way at the beginning either. They didn't think that they'd be in the position where, like, when people found out what Vince bought the company for, they're like, well, fuck, I could have afforded that. So I'm not saying that's where AEW is going. I'm just saying I, I'm a little worried. Like, Fight Forever apparently is coming in 2023. They made a deal for it to be on Xbox Game Pass day one. So as a fan, I was going to buy it. Decision-wise, maybe I can just go ahead and play it on Game Pass, see if I like it, and then decide to buy it, maybe. But usually I play my sports titles on my Xbox Series X either way. So it probably worked out either way because that's where my WK, w, uh, w, uh, WWE 2K22 purchase is on my Xbox Series X. So it kind of works out. But again, I'm still a bit fearful um, I worry about a lot of things. The game looks good as far as going forward with the future. I don't know what's going to happen. I am very happy that they put the strap around MJF. Um, I think that Max is the best heel in the game right now. 
Um, I think he's a better heel than Roman. I think Roman's doing a great job leading WWE, but I think Max is the better heel. Um, so I love they put the strap around him. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him, and I will be watching. It's very interesting how they've been in all these places. Shout out to Westside Gun because he's always there. He is a wrestling nut. You know, him and Conway, you, you know, Hall and Nash, that whole thing. But you've seen Jermaine Dupree. We've seen um, Trina. We've seen, I think we saw Rick Ross, a bunch of people, right? They're even putting Jade Cargill into this program with Bow Wow, and I think it was a joke at first. I think Bow Wow was just generally joking. But then Jade was on the Breakfast Club talking about it. And then, you know, Bow Wow tweeted that he left some tickets for her at his meet and greet. And then there's this whole little, like, is this real? And, like, it's totally a work. That's not a shoot. That's a work. Jade Cargill did not take those tickets to go over there and fuck with Bow Wow. That's just not a thing. It's a work. How they're going to spin it for AEW television, that's the interesting part. But that leads me back to the point where, you have to learn from the mistakes of those before you because WCW tried it out Insane Cloud Posse. They tried it out Master P and then the No Limit Soldiers. They tried it out Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. Um, they WCW brought out anybody who was willing to be on Turner Television and you see where it got them. Um, this is 20 plus years ago. So now we have social media interactions to tell us if this is working or not. So if you don't see the interactions on Twitter and this, that, and the third, you can pull that program really quickly. So they have that working for them. But I still wonder how this is going to work out in the long run. And I'm, I'm paying very, very close attention to that. I will say that. So uh, moving on to gaming news really quickly. This is going to be a two-part episode. Actually, it's not going to be split into two parts. I'm going to record this first part and then there, you know, we will go into the second part and I have to wait till tomorrow to record the second part for a certain reason. You guys will see that or hear that when you listen to the episode. Um, so. Um, God, I don't know how I got here, but I just had a hell of a fucking idea and this is really, really awesome. So I'm happy about that. Um. So, um, in gaming news, Marvel Spider-Man 2 will have a different Harry Osborn on PlayStation 5. Keep in mind, yes, uh, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine are PS5 only. I do want you guys to know that. Um, <clears throat> looks like Marvel Spider-Man 2 has recast the role of Harry Osborn with star Scott Porter, revealing he will not return for the sequel in a now-deleted tweet. Porter, who also plays Heimdall to perfection in God of War Ragnarok, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, I hated Heimdall in the game, but that's the mark of a guy who's really good at his job. But I absolutely fucking hated Heimdall. I do want to say that. Uh, alluded to the fact that the developer Insomniac Games has decided to go photo real with its casting in the hotly anticipated PS5 successor. And the difference between me and Harry's ages was too much to overcome, I believe. Uh, it's a particularly interesting comment is during the transition from Marvel Spider-Man to Marvel Spider-Man uh, Remastered, Insomniac Games controversially changed the face of Peter Parker to better match voice actor Yuri Lowenthal's performance capture. And I just saw, um, I want to say, I've been going back to clean up trophies on The Order 1886. I want to say I saw Yuri Lowenthal's names in the credit, uh, name in the credits there. Let's see. And he doesn't look anything like the guy they changed the face to. Yuri Lowenthal is 51 years old. That's insane. Uh, yeah, this is really weird now that I look at that. Um, let's see. Um... He definitely, he was in Spider-Man, so that's anime. Wow, his credits are insane. Where's gaming? Video to television, feature films, video games. Okay. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Sorry, this is taking so long. I have to figure this out because I'm pretty sure. He's in a lot of shit. Yes. The Order 1886, he was Nikola Tesla. That's what I thought it was. I wanted to be certain. And then he was 
Spider Peter Parker, Spider Man. He's 51 years old, and they went. It <laughs> so they could have kept the voice and just did a different face, like they did with Yuri. That's insane because he looks nothing like the guy that they picked for Peter. That's just very, very interesting to me. But anyway, um, so they say they want to go photo real. Um, Harry. I don't think it well we saw that picture of Harry but then we also have his voice recordings on those little data centers around the city where Peter has to do all those jobs for Harry in the first one um I have the natural platinum for Spider-Man I don't have the DLC platinum because the screwball missions I absolutely fucking hate so my PSN profile shows a platinum but then doesn't show the platinum for the rest of the stuff and to be frank I don't really care I really don't fucking care but anyway that's a different story for a different time um, but, um, Porter played Heimdall to perfection. Heimdall was the guy you love to hate in God of War Ragnarok. I'm going to talk about that in a second, because this is also a God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast, so we're going to get into that. Um, I, I don't know. Everybody's really looking forward to Spider-Man 2. Uh, while there's no word on who will play Harry in the sequel, this is the first snippet of Marvel Spider-Man 2 news we've had in a while, so it's still interesting information. Um, the good news is it is making good progress and it's still on track for 2023 and all enthusiasts chatter about potential PlayStation showcase to close out the year. The game being brought up the most is understandably Marvel Spider-Man 2 announced as part of last year's main event from Sony. The big sequel to Insomniac game superhero romp is penciled in for a 2023 release. Nothing's changed on that front, but fans have been getting antsy clamoring to see more of the title soon. A showcase would be the perfect place to show it off, but as October rumbles on, this is obviously from last month. It seems uh, seeming less and less likely. As a result, Spidey fans are becoming worried about the superhero sequel, and it might be releasing later than expected. Developer Insomniac has stepped in to try and calm things down. Uh, this is from Come On Spider at Come On Spider Sense. Jorge, quote, I'm starting to get worried. Honestly, I've been bugging Insomniac about it, but I stopped after they told me it wasn't ready. I really hope it doesn't get delayed. Insomniac replied, don't, we're making good progress, it's still slated for 2023, showing games takes time, effort, resources, and coordination. As you can see in the response to the follower, Insomniac assures the team is making good progress in the game and that it's still slated for 2023. It adds that public showings of games take time, effort, resources, and coordination. Insomniac is one of Sony's most industrious and consistent studios, so it wouldn't worry about Spider-Man 2 one bit. The first game and its smaller follow-up, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, are both great, and we expect upcoming PS uh, the expect the I'm sorry we expect the upcoming PS5 only action adventure will blow our socks off when it's ready for a proper reveal. Um, I'm gonna throw this out there, and I don't want to, but we this is what we do in this business. We speculate, right? I'm a podcaster. This is what I do. Or now, if you look, um, it says guy who occasionally talks in front of a microphone. Um. Because I don't want to fall into that 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 podcasting area where it sounds like I'm a uh uh a fucking know it all who plugs in a microphone and thinks I know more than the average person or anything like that. I'm definitely not that guy. So anyway, um Thursday, December eighth is the video game awards, the game awards for two thousand twenty two, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute. I know that we got news earlier today that we will see uh, the follow-up to Star Wars uh, Jedi. Um, God damn it. What is the name of that game? I totally posted about it earlier. Jedi Fallen Order. I'm sorry. So we're supposed to get a Jedi Fallen Order follow-up. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor release date will come during the Game Awards. So I guess we're getting the the release date. I would assume we're going to get some sort of a trailer, being that the game is slated for release next year. Um, next year is going to be fucking packed. Next year is going to be really, really fucking packed. So um, if you don't have a next-gen console, if you can afford one, and look, just keep looking. Um, Wario64 on Twitter, Fat Kid Deals on Twitter, they usually have info on who's going to get a stock, so I would follow those. Um, but yeah, I would want to get one because I know a lot of these games, they're not going to do cross-gen, they're going to do next-gen only because people really want to start feeling the effects of next generation. God of War Ragnarok is phenomenal. There are some parts where you slide between cracks and stuff like that, and people feel like that's because the PlayStation 4 is holding it back. 
So I downloaded it on my PS5 and played it. I do have it on my PS4 as well, because if you buy it, you get the cross-gen version. Um, and um, I actually had the, the collector's edition as well, so I gave that code to my cousin so he could play it. But I do want to see PS5 next-gen only stuff. I really do. And I want to see Xbox Series X next-gen only stuff as well, and Series S, I guess. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little teaser of something at the Game Awards. I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to see if there was post-credit stuff that would tie it to Wolverine or if Wolverine is going to ex ex exist in the same universe as the Spider-Man games. Being that they're both made by Insomniac, this should all be very, very interesting. We'll see. In other news uh, from The Verge, Phil Spencer really wants you to know that native Call of Duty will stay on PlayStation. What does native mean? This is interesting. CEO of Microsoft Gaming thinks that uh, thinks King is the crown jewel of the Activision empire. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of questions they ask. Let's see. They don't really go into that part. Although I do know um, Microsoft has made a 10-year commitment to the PlayStation and Call of Duty. Um, no word on how PlayStation is received said somewhat of a commitment from the good folks over at Microsoft Gaming. So we don't know if Sony's going to accept that deal and hope to negotiate something longer. Or they could accept that deal and then be working on their own killer app in the background. I don't know, but they told... You know, they were on record as saying that there is not another game like Call of Duty. It's in a league of its own. So it sounds like they don't believe that they can make something like Call of Duty or that could rival Call of Duty. And that's 100% why they don't want this deal to go through. I still think the deal is going to go through. I don't think any change, anything changes that. So I don't know. In other news, game uh, the Game Awards nominees are live. As far as the categories, we have Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score or Music, Best Audio Design, Best Performance, Games for Impact, Best Ongoing, Best Indie, Best Mobile, Best Community Support, Innovation and Accessibility, Best VR, AR, Best Action Game, Best Action Adventure Game, Best Role Playing, Best Fighting, Best Family, Best Sim or Strategy, Best Sports Slash Racing, Best Multiplayer, Content Creator of the Year, Best Debut Indie, Best Esports Coach, Best Esports Team, Best Esports Athlete, Best Esports Game, Most Anticipated Game, Best Adaptation, and Best Esports Event. So I'm going to talk about a few. Game of the Year. Let's see the nominees. For Game of the Year, we have A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, I did vote. I'm not going to lie. I went ahead and voted for God of War Ragnarok. I'm just being completely honest with you guys. Um, I played a little bit of Stray. I did not play a Plague Tale Requiem. I did play Horizon Forbidden West. I've gone on record as saying that I do like Horizon Zero Dawn much better. I don't feel like uh, I felt like the traversal in Forbidden West was a bit better, but um I 100% felt the story of Zero Dawn was better, so I did not vote for Forbidden West. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. It's not that I hate the game. It just isn't what I wanted from that team. And that there's nothing wrong with that. They didn't make that game specifically with me in mind, so I'm not upset or anything like that. I'm just saying the game didn't capture me like the first one did, so I voted for God of War Ragnarok. Um, best game direction. I also have to give it to God of War Ragnarok after playing through that game. What the director was able to get out of the actors, I thought was phenomenal. Christopher Judge and Sonny Silja going through puberty at the time is voice changing multiple times while they were recording. They said they were doing mocap and, and, and VO, uh, VO from the time he was like 14 to 16. It's like, goddamn, the kid's going through uh, puberty. So, uh, his voice definitely changed multiple times. Um, the young lady that plays Angra Boda, I thought she did a phenomenal job. And I'm just going to do some spoiler stuff in there. Um, the way Atreus acted when he, at the beginning of the game, we find out that Fenrir has been really sick and he's more than likely not going to make it 
that hit me right in the chest. I had to pause and sit there for a few minutes and collect myself because my dog died. She had cancer. Like she got sick, took her to the vet, didn't know they're like she has cancer. And she was only with me for a few more hours after I found out. Like she was really, really sick. It just her health had been like she wasn't herself. She wasn't up and jumping around and doing things. And finally, you know, after two days of that, it's like something's not right. Let's get you to the vet. And they're like, she has cancer. And they're like, she can live another four or five months, but it's not going to be good for her. You know, even if you give her the medicine and she has surgery, it's not going to be good for her. So we had to make that tough decision and to sit there and watch a part of your family die. And dogs are your kids. Like, so when Atreus like hugged Fenrir, I'm just like, I had to pause it and sit there because I kept seeing all the reviewers who had played the game and they're like, I grabbed the first 10 minutes and I was like, what the fuck happens that early? And then I was like, oh, this is what, what the fuck they were talking about. Um, there were some other moments that got me. Um, let's just fucking talk about it. Brock. Um, Tyr being there with them the whole time being in Brock and Sindri's house and we find out it's fucking Odin. That fucking shook me to the core. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And the way that Sindri acted from that point on. Um, and then at the end, where you roll credits the first time, because you roll credits twice, um, where Atreus has to go off, he's like, I got some stuff to do. And Kratos says to him, Loki is leaving, but Atreus will always be here. And he you know, puts his hand over his heart like, Atreus, you will always be in my heart. My son is here. Loki is leaving to do what he has to do. And that really got me. I was like, God fucking damn, bro. Like, they didn't miss. They really hit in the heart. And then, again, Brock gets killed by, by Odin. And you go and do funeral for a friend. And then the credits roll again. And there's this really, really somber song. It's a great song, but it's really somber. I was like, oh, my God. Like, y'all were really, really tugging at the heart of everybody that's playing this game. Because... I was not expecting this. Like it had me on the verge of tears a few times. I'm not going to lie. So I would have to say they got the absolute most out of those actors. And um, I got to tell you, um, the director himself, I think his name is Eric. Uh, I can't remember. He he was on kind of funny games. And apparently there's this part where you go and in the, in the post game content and tears actually been alive the whole time. And you didn't, Kratos and and uh Freya find him so as soon as I get done recording this I'm gonna pick it back up and and try to find fucking tear all these things and I'm just like this is insane and they're like are we gonna get in the Treyas game because everybody I'm not gonna lie I saw people tweeting and, and everybody's like you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there and everybody seems to agree that the Atreus stuff is really really fucking good and him and Angra Boda and and you know fighting the hellhound that eventually he turns into Fenrir and um when he gives the 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 marble to the snake in Angraboda's grandmother's house and that snake is actually Jormungandr and you know Kratos says to Mimir well when we met the the serpent uh the first time he seemed to recognize Loki and it's like what the fuck and then when you're experiencing the final battle and Thor hits Jormungandr so hard with Milner that he fucking knocks him back in the time. So that's how Jormungandr recognized Atreus because it's all fucking crazy. And then Atreus is going out to find more of his people, the giants. So it's just really, really dope. And then even when the fucking Thor versus Kratos fight leaked in, Thor hits him with Milner, and you think that Kratos is dead and they show you the screen that they show you when you die like hey here's some tips for you and then he hits you with the hammer like no 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 no. I say when this is over and he wakes him back up and Thor is cursing at him Ryan Hurst fucking killed it and again like I was like Ryan Hurst and they're like he's great he's great and you know they're like he's a great voice actor so I pull up his Wikipedia I'm looking at his stuff I was like remember the Titans who the fuck was he in Remember the Titans? It's like, he was Gary Bertier in fucking Remember the Titans? This guy is, is fucking Thor? And then I'm just like enamored, like, holy shit, talk about range. So when I talk about the direction of the game and how everyone did, I gotta give it, I didn't play Elden Ring. I'm not a fan of Souls genre games, 
But um, Elden Ring would have really had to have knocked my socks off to beat God of War Ragnarok. And again, I didn't play it, so I can't speak to that. But God of War Ragnarok shook me to my absolute core. I'm at 36 hours on my save. And again, I didn't even know the tear was still alive. I just found that out. So this is like, for me, this is a big fucking deal. So I'm about to jump back in as soon as I finish recording this. But again, um, best game direction, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. Stray holding their own. Annapurna Games is really fucking good. They did that, uh, I think it's 12 minutes game. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so, um, I, you know, I, I I played a little bit of Stray. I'm not a cat person, so it didn't really appeal to me. But the other games that they make, I really like Annapurna. So I'm not surprised that they're there. Um, best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Playtale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. I don't know anything about Immortality or uh, Immortality, Elden Ring, or Plague Tale Requiem. I have both God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West. And Forbidden West just didn't do it for me the way Zero Dawn did it for me. So, And I know that they're going to spin the Horizon franchise, franchise off into a bunch of different things. They obviously have the Horizon Call of the Mountain coming for the PlayStation VR 2, which I was not able to get a fucking... Uh, pre-order secured for it, so I'm kind of pissed off about that, but anyway, it is what it is. Um, apparently there's a, a Horizon multiplayer coming, apparently there's a Horizon Zero Dawn PlayStation 5 version coming, so it seems like Sony's gonna milk this game for all it's worth, and I don't think they'll ever be able to hit on the way they did on the first one, I just don't know, and Aloy's such a great character, but it worries me about what they're going to do with that franchise going forward and i'm just like i don't see this being something that i play every outlet of it because it, it just looks like they're gonna kind of fuck it up in my opinion not saying that gorilla is a bad studio because they're not they're not at all but there's a such thing as oversaturation and they're teetering on the edge right now in my opinion um best art direction elden ring god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west scorn and stray it seems like the big three, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, are pretty much there in almost the big, all the big categories thus far. Um, best score in music, Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Metal, Hellsinger, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, let's see. Best audio design, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon, Forbidden West. I almost got Gran Turismo 7, but then the microtransactions, I was like, no. Um, again, haven't played Elden Ring. I have played Modern Warfare 2. I have played Horizon. Obviously, I have played God of War. If I had to vote for best sound design, it would go to the good people over at Infinity Ward and Activision because I thought Modern Warfare 2 was absolutely phenomenal. I finished that campaign in like a day. It was that fucking good. And I haven't even got started on any multiplayer stuff, so... I noticed that there wasn't any team deathmatch the first time I went to the multiplayer lobby, which kind of pissed me off. I'm going to go back and be like, and check to see if I was mistaken, but I'm like, to have a Call of Duty game without team deathmatch is insane. It's just fucking insane. Um, best performance awarded to an individual for voiceover acting, motion, and or performance capture. Ashley Birch for Horizon Forbidden West. I believe she's Aloy. Uh, Charlotte McBurney for A Plague Tale Requiem. Christopher Judge, God of War Ragnarok. Obviously, he's Kratos. Uh, Man Engage for Immortality. Sonny Suljic for God of War Ragnarok. He would be Atreus. I think he did a phenomenal job. I don't remember which one of them I voted for, um, but I definitely voted for either Chris or Sonny Suljic because I thought they did a great job in God of War Ragnarok. Um, Games for Impact for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Uh, Memoir Blue, As Dust Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling, Extinction is Forever, Hindsight, I was a teenage exocolonist. I have not played any of those games. I played like two minutes of As Dust Falls, and it felt like a PowerPoint presentation. I've heard good things, but I just couldn't stick with it, so I don't know. Uh, best ongoing game awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. Apex Legends, of course it's going to be in there. Destiny 2, that's been a big one. Final Fantasy XIV. Fortnite, of course. And Genshin Impact, I've heard great things, but I haven't played it. So, um, Best indie game 
for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. Cult of Lamb, I've heard good things. Neon White, have heard nothing. Sifu, I've actually played. It is actually really, really good. It's tough, but it's really good. Stray, again, I only played a few minutes of it. Um, pretty good, though. Tunic, not gonna lie, I was expecting really, really big Zelda vibes based on the way the fox is dressed, and I did not get Zelda vibes. Um, I only lasted about an hour or two in the tunic. It didn't do much for me, so I don't know. Best mobile game, uh, I'm gonna skip those because... Well, I'll go ahead and give them to you. Apex, Legend, uh, Apex Legends Mobile, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Marvel Snap, and Tower of Fantasy. Haven't played any of them. Um, best community support. Recognize the game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responses inclusive of social media activity and game updates and patches. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. So, Matt Makes Games, or Hello Games, I'm sorry, still there. No Man's Sky. Remember, it started off really, really rocky for them. So, for them to turn it around and be where they are now, kudos to them over there. Uh, next category, Innovation and Accessibility. Recognizing software and our hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. As Dust Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and the quarry. I've heard, heard really good things about the quarry. Obviously, I've played Ragnarok, The Last of Us Part One, Platinum. That uh, a few minutes of dust as dust falls as well. Um, best best VR AR. We're not going to go into that because I don't know any of those games other than Among Us, and I only played a little bit. Actually, yeah, I only played a little of that. Uh, best action game: Bayonetta Three, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two, Neon White. Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This is a tough category for me because I love Modern Warfare 2. I actually really like Sifu, and I absolutely fucking love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. So that was really, really tough. I can't even remember which one I voted for. That was a tough vote, though. I do know that. Uh, best Action Adventure Game. For the Best Action Adventure Game, Combining Combat with Traversal and Puzzle Solving. A Plague Tale, War a Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Tunic. I definitely voted for God of War Ragnarok. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. Uh, best role-playing game. For best game design with rich player character customization and prog uh, progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Elden Ring, Live Alive, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. By the way, speaking of Pokemon, um... I hate to be that guy, but I did see a video of some gameplay, and the frame rate drops were absolutely terrible. They have to patch that game. You cannot have people spending 60, 70 bucks on that game, and it's coming out like that. That just is not a good look, especially for Nintendo and for the people over at the Pokemon Company. That is not a good look at all. So I would imagine there's going to be a patch coming for the game. I don't know. Whatever they do, they've got to fix it, though. You cannot leave that game in that state because there's a lot of dedicated Pokemon fans, and that's the last thing they want to see. Um, best fighting game for the best, uh, best game designed primarily around head-to-head -head combat. DNF Duel, never played it. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, never played it. The King of Fighters 14, 15, never played it. Multiverses, I've heard good things, never played it. Sifu, obviously I've played that one and I did vote for that. So there we are with that one. Best family game for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. I need to play that. Mario uh, plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. I'm not into the strategy games, so that's a no. Nintendo Switch Sports. I heard really bad things. They were trying to capture the magic of Wii Sports, and it didn't work out from my understanding. Splatoon 3. Heard great things. I have Splatoon 2. I do not have Splatoon 3, but I've heard really, really good things. So, um, I don't remember who I voted for in this category or if I voted at all, to be honest with you. So, um, Best Simmer Strategy Game. Dune Spice Wars. Not a fan. Wasn't for me. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Again, not for me. Total War, Warhammer 3, not a Warhammer guy, Two Point Campus, never heard of it, Victoria 3, didn't play it. 
didn't vote in that category. Uh, best sports or racing game, F122, FIFA 23, which is really good, NBA 2K23, really good. Again, Gran Turismo 7, I didn't buy because I didn't want to deal with microtransactions. And then Ali Ali World, I believe is what it is. Yeah, Ali Ali World, have no idea what that is. So, uh, I believe I voted for 2K23 because of the Jordan challenges. That's exactly why I did. I did vote for 2K23. Best multiplayer for outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game genre or platform. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, great game, multiverse, uh, multiverses. Overwatch 2, haven't played it, even though it's free. Splatoon 3, again, haven't played it, heard great things. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Man, I love being a turtle. I don't remember if I voted for this, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare in this, this particular uh, category because I loved both of those games, so I'm not sure. Uh, content Creator of the Year. The only one I know on the list is Nebellion, which is very interesting because uh, about a week, two weeks before the awards nominations came out, Nebellion said, I'm done with Twitter. Uh, I tried Patreon. That didn't work. I, Nebellion tried to flip there because i don't know what you know nebellion identifies they try to to flip their tweets into a patreon following which i think would have put them at like a thousand dollars based on the amount of patrons they had just at bare bare tier minimum but apparently it wasn't enough to sustain whatever nebellion has going on in their life so they were like yeah i'm not gonna do this anymore because it's not working out financially for somebody, and I hate to say this, Nebellion basically during these these game events and showcases, Nebellion would take screenshots and post them on Twitter. And when I would post them on the Instagram page for this podcast and blog and stuff like that, I would use Nebellion screenshots. So the fact Nebellion's not there anymore, like that kind of sucks for me. So Nebellion did provide a sort of a service and I utilized it, but Nebellion didn't feel that, you know, it was going to work out financially for what they thought that they you know were able going to be able to amass i will say so i definitely voted for nebellion in this category and it would be nice if nebellion came back but you know it is what it is um best debut indie neon white norco stray tunic and vampire survivors only played stray and tunic in this category uh i don't remember which one i voted or if i even voted in this category uh best adaptation Recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertain, entertainment medium. Arcane League of Legends. I know that Haley Steinfeld does the voice of one of those characters, and I love Haley Steinfeld. Hi, Haley. How are you? Great job as Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, by the way. Uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I've heard phenomenal things. I have got to watch it. Uh, the Cuphead Show. I've heard really good things. I also have to watch that. Crazy enough, as big as a Sonic the Hedgehog fan I am, I did not see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 yet, which is very, very interesting, so I have to watch that. Uh, and then Uncharted, PlayStation Productions, because I'm a huge Uncharted mark and I hadn't seen any of the other things, I did vote for Uncharted. Uh, I love Tom Holland. I love Mark Wahlberg. I saw the Uncharted film. I thought it was actually pretty good. There were some things in there that made me feel like the, the, the film was the swan song for the franchise overall, but... Naughty Dog is working with another team, working on something, and apparently it's a new Uncharted game, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, most anticipated game. Recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. It's interesting that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is not on this list because that's anticipated. It's also anticipate interesting that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth isn't on this list. But again, they put a list of games together. People vote, and then the ones with the highest votes make the nominations. So these are the ones people are really anticipating. I am going to play everything on this list. Final Fantasy XVI, Hogwarts Legacy, you bet your sweet ass I am, Resident Evil 4, even Starfield. And yes, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which actually got my vote in this category. So that's that. Um, looks like the next, yeah, the, the last five or 
four are all esports categories, and I don't know enough about esports to even begin to lie and act like I do and tell you guys this is who I voted for because this is the da, da, da. I don't know anything about the esports games. I'm not an esports person. I will watch Evo sometimes because I'm a Street Fighter fan. Um, other than that, I don't know what to tell you, so I'm not even going to go into those categories. I'm just going to tell you those are the nominees for 26 out of the 31 categories and i gave you what i generally voted for and some of them and the others i don't know um i do know phase clan is one of the esports teams that's nominated the only thing i know about phase clan is that Bronny lebron's son is a member of phase clan i don't know much else beyond that so i don't know mm. so anyway that concludes part one of this episode in part two, we will discuss college football and what games we have on tap for this weekend, rivalry weekend. I can't fucking wait, but I have to wait till Tuesday to record part two because I need the college football playoff rankings going into rivalry week, which will then take us into conference championship Saturday. So I bid you guys adieu for right now. And here's part two of this episode. All right. So it is Tuesday. Um, this is part two of the episode, obviously. I had to wait until the playoff rankings were announced to get into this part, so let's go ahead and I'm going to watch them live on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I didn't watch them live earlier because I was at work, so here we go. Whew. We're definitely not going to sit through this ad. Oh, I do need that, that for my iPad. But anyway, here we go. So we're going to go 25 through 7 here. Come on. Reese Davis, Joey Galloway, uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, God. So at 25 is Louisville, not ranked last week, 7-4. Cincinnati, 9-2. Uh, Texas is at 23. UCF is at 22. Oregon State is at 21. So the Pac-12 looks pretty strong. Um, who's at number 20? Give me 20. Give me 20. Give me 20. Come on. Come on. They are taking all day. Give me something. Give me something. Give me something. It's interesting. They really want to keep Texas. They were not ranked last week, but they're ranked this week. Louisville was not ranked last week, but they are this week. Uh, Cincinnati moves up one spot to 24. UCF drops two spots to 22. And Oregon moves up two spots to 21. So it'll be interesting to see where we are at the end of this weekend because obviously this is the big weekend for college football. This is rivalry week. Um, I cannot wait to watch these games. Absolutely cannot wait. Come on. What do we got? You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and... Okay. So Ole Miss is sitting at 20. They drop six spots after losing. Tulane moves up two spots to 19. UCLA drops two spots to 18. They are 8-3. and three. But they're still primed for a decent bowl game appearance. North Carolina dropped four spots to 17 and 9-2. and two. Florida State is up three spots to 16 at 8-3. and three. So the ACC is, is very, very interesting in my opinion. Um... I'm going to see. I guess it's still UNC that's going to face um, Clemson in the ACC title game, unless I'm wrong. Um, let's go ahead. So we're going to scroll ahead. So Notre Dame is up three spots to 15. That is very important to remember, considering they will play USC this weekend. Um, if you listen to this in the free feeds, you'll be hearing it on Saturday morning. Utah drops four spots to number 14. Washington jumps up four spots to 13. K-State moves up three spots to 12. Penn State uh, stayed at 11. Um, Pac-12 looking really good. That's Washington, Utah, and Oregon State so far, and UCLA. So that's four teams thus far in the top 25, and we know that USC is sitting somewhere at the top as well. So... The Pac-12 is looking really, really good in my opinion. Let's see where we go from there.
Okay, so Tennessee drops five spots to number five. They're almost certainly out of the college football playoff, and it's not even an almost certainly. I'm going to say they're certainly outside of the college football playoff. If this was the year that the 12-team playoff started, they would still have a shot. They would get in as an at-large bid more than likely, but they're out. Um, and we want to send our well wishes to Hendon Hooker, unfortunately, uh, torn ACL, I believe. Uh, at number nine, up three spots from last week, the Oregon Ducks. So there's the Pac-12 again. So it's UCLA, Utah, Washington, Oregon State, and Oregon. And we're going to see UC USC at some point here. So the Pac-10, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 has six teams in the top 25. Um, it's very interesting. This seems to be the conference that people want out of. So... Uh, this is very, very interesting. And then at number eight, we have the Clemson Tigers up one spot and sitting at number seven, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So this is very, very interesting because depending on how things shake out, um, we thought that Alabama was out. I'm not saying they have a chance. I'm just saying that is very, very interesting to have them at number seven because they're, you know, they're the third team out. But if we get chaos, you just never know. If USC fumbles on the way to the Pac-12 title game or even loses in the Pac-12 title game, if TCU loses, um, I just, I, I'm, I really would like to know. This is going to get interesting. This is going to get really interesting. So let's go down to the six, uh, six to one. Okay. So at number one, nothing changes. That's still the Georgia Bulldogs. They're eleven and zero. At number two, nothing changes. They're still the Ohio State Buckeyes, also at eleven and zero. Sitting at number three, nothing has changed. The Michigan Wolverines at eleven and zero. Uh, this is interesting because had the playoffs started today, keep in mind Ohio State and Michigan will play each other this weekend in the game, but if we were going into the playoffs and these were the matchups, they would play each other on a neutral field, and that would be very interesting. Play each other on a neutral field at a bowl site, a New Year's Six Bowl, so that would be very, very interesting. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen because one of these teams is not going to be here after this weekend. Now, there's that situation where LSU and Alabama, Alabama played early in the season and LSU won and then they met again in the national championship game and then Alabama won. We're not going to get that situation this time. I'm just telling you guys that right now. So at number four, at 11-0 and 0 as well, the TCU Horn Frogs. Okay, so we have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. If this was the playoffs and the playoffs were starting – Georgia would be uh, as the number one seed. I think they would get their pick of what bowl site they would play at, and they would get TCU. Um, TCU is a good football team. I just don't know if they're good enough to beat Georgia. Ohio State versus Michigan, very intriguing matchup, but it's not like we have to really sit and wonder because we're getting that here in a few days, and I, for one, cannot wait. So the first team out at number five is the LSU Tigers, and this is very, very interesting because – they are going to face the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC title game. And then the second team out will be the USC Trojans at number six. This is where things get tricky. And this is what I said earlier. Ohio State and Michigan, one of them is going to cancel each other out because they're going to play this weekend. I'm not sure who TCU has this weekend. We're actually going to get to this weekend matchups in a second. Georgia and LSU will face each other in the SEC championship game in Atlanta, which effectively is a home game for the Bulldogs because Athens is only, I think, 30 or the 45 minutes to an hour away from Atlanta, Georgia. So everybody who was saying USC cannot get into the college football playoff, you're out of your fucking mind. They have Notre Dame and it's not going to be an easy out. Notre Dame is going to be very, very tough this weekend. Understand that. If they get past Notre Dame, I'm not sure who they would get. It looks like Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. So USC does control their own destiny. They have to take care of business. They have to beat Notre Dame. They have to beat presumably Oregon in the in the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas uh, next week. 
but USC definitely controls their own destiny from where they're sitting. Here's the thing. When I said something about Alabama just a second ago, TCU has to win, right? Either Michigan or Ohio State is going to cancel each other out. One of those spots is going to go to USC. If TCU somehow slips up, then all bets are off. We cannot for sure say Alabama is done. I don't think they are at this time. Because if you're going to lose, you need to lose early. And TCU can ill afford to lose in conference play this week or in the conference championship game the following week. So let's get down to the weekend schedule, shall we? So um, starting on, there's actually some games tonight. Ball State in Miami of Ohio and Bowling Green versus Ohio. Um, on Thursday, this is Thursday night, 6 p.m. on ESPN. The Egg Bowl, I'm sorry, is that the Egg Bowl? Uh, the former Egg Bowl, I don't know. Um, we have Mississippi State versus Ole Miss. Uh, so that's the only game that we have on Thanksgiving Day. On Friday, as early as 11 a.m., number 21 Tulane at number 25 Cincinnati. Um, no group of five team is undefeated and ranked high enough to get into a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, so, I mean, do you really want to, it's going to be a good football game. I'm not taking anything away from Tulane or Cincinnati. They're just not going to get into the college football playoff. So, you know, you can, I would say though, this is a good football game. So that's 11 a.m. kickoff on ABC. Um, and then we have Baylor versus Texas. Um, that's an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Texas is ranked. Baylor is not, you know, do with it as you will. Um, number 24, NC State versus number 13, North Carolina. That's actually an important game as far as the ACC championship goes. Um, so that one I will be keeping an eye on. Arkansas versus the Missouri Tigers. That's a 2.30 kickoff on CBS. Uh, that's on Friday. So I'll be paying attention to that game as well. Uh, Nebraska versus Iowa. I think right now Iowa is in position to play for the big the play the winner of Michigan Ohio State for the Big Ten championship game. So um, I would expect Iowa to come away with that win. Stranger things have happened though. I will say that. So um, I I'm watching that one out the corner of my. Eye. I'm not too focused, but I'm watching that out the corner of my. Eye. Number sixteen UCLA at Cal. Um, UCLA kind of sealed their fate last weekend against USC. Uh, so obviously they're not going to play for the Pac-12 title. Um, they're still paying, playing for bowl positioning. Um, if USC wins the Pac-12 title and they make the college football playoff, the Rose Bowl would release them to the, you know, the top four to pay, play in the college football playoff. Would they take UCLA in place of that? Would you take Oregon? Would you take Utah? We saw Utah last year. This should be very interesting. Um, it would be interesting to see the UCLA Bru uh, Bruins get to play in the Rose Bowl in their home stadium. Um, so this one I actually am a bit intrigued by. Uh, we got Florida versus Florida State. Florida State is sitting at 19. Um, obviously, it's not a conference game, so I don't know if it has any bearing on the ACC standings going the full way or the rest of the way. I'm sorry. So I don't know. I, I'm going to look at that one, though. I'll keep my eye on that one. Saturday, November 26, Georgia Tech at Georgia. Obviously, Georgia, you know, is heavily favored in this game. Um, do they need to win? Yeah, they're not going to drop out of the top four if they lose. And you have to remember, either Ohio State or Michigan is going to cancel each other out. So it's going to be very interesting when we're sitting here a week from now, at the time I'm recording this on Tuesday night, when the new rankings come out. Uh, Michigan, obviously, on the road against Ohio State. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox. That's the game everybody's going to be watching in the morning. Um, the, um, the game, right? Ohio State doesn't even like... And calling them Michigan, they always like to say that team up north. So we're going to see South Carolina versus Clemson. Clemson at number nine. Obviously, they need to win to get to play for the ACC championship. I don't think anybody can catch them, so they, they'll be playing. But you don't want to add another loss to your resume, considering the fact that 
We don't know what's going to happen with TCU. LSU has to play Georgia in the SEC title game. As far as I know, I think they're locked in for that. We're going to check that in a second. Um, other than that, West Virginia versus Oklahoma State. I don't know. Uh, Auburn versus Alabama, the Iron Bowl. That's a 2.30 kickoff on CBS, of course. Number 12, Oregon at number 23, Oregon State. That is a very, very important game considering the pa- a trip to the Pac-12 title is basically on the line. So we'll be paying attention to that one. Michigan at Penn State, uh, number 10, Utah at Colorado. At this point, you're kind of playing for bowl positioning for a lot of these teams. Number 6, LSU at Texas A&M. Um, I think they're already a lock for the SEC title game. But you don't want to lose and put yourself in a bad position for a committee who's paying attention. Uh, Tennessee at Vanderbilt, it sucks. Tennessee is ranked fifth in the nation in the polls. Uh, they're without Hendon Hooker, so we don't want to see this this miraculous season come to an end. Um, they're going to get into a really good bowl game. I just don't know what happens beyond that. I, I, I don't know if it's a New Year's Six Bowl or what have you, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that team. Number 18, Notre Dame, and number 7, USC. Uh, USC is 7 in the polls uh, in the top 25, and then they're number 6 in the college football playoff. Again, keep in mind, who's sitting ahead of them? The LSU Tigers at number 5. At 2 and 3, Michigan and Ohio State. One of those teams is going to cancel the other out. So USC is sitting really, really pretty right now. They just have to take care of business. Uh, Oklahoma at Texas Tech. We need this to to clinch another winning season. We're already bowl eligible at this point, but we do need this win to clinch a winning season. Um, and hopefully they can go home when it's all over on a high note and come back energized for next season. Um, other than that, Washington State versus uh, Washington versus Washington State. BYU at Stanford. Virginia at Virginia Tech has been canceled as well as a result of the shooting last week. So, as far as conference championship weekends, games that are already determined, TCU um, is in the Big 12 title game. We do not know who their opponent is. Um, LSU and Georgia are locked in for the SEC championship game. Um, As far as the ACC, it is locked in as Clemson versus North Carolina, so nothing that happens is going to change that. Um, so we do know, let's see, one, two of the power five matchups. And then as far as the big 10, we don't know. Um, so I am going to be paying attention to, uh, big 10 scoreboards this weekend because, you know, the, the, the winner is going to face whoever wins the West is going to face the winner of Michigan, Ohio state in the big 10 championship game. Michigan and Ohio State basically is a playoff game right now. Neither team can afford to lose. Then they they move on to the Big Ten championship game, which is effectively a, a playoff game in its own right. Um, so this is very, very interesting. It's, it's straight playoffs from here on out for Michigan and Ohio State. Everybody else as well, but um, USC, of course, has to take care of business. LSU has to beat Georgia. Um, Tennessee, I'm sorry, TCU has got to win the Big 12 championship game. They also have to make sure they don't lose this weekend. Or are they playing? Let me check. Let's just see. No, that's not the week I wanted. Is TCU playing this weekend? Not unless I scrolled past it and didn't realize it, but I don't know. Um, Everybody's got to be on this shit. You gotta be on your J.O. You gotta pay attention. This is make or break time right here. Uh, if you want to win a national championship and you're among the six teams right now, I would call you a contender. Even though LSU and USC are the first two teams out, they are a contender for the simple fact that Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. If we're talking about a Pac-12 team in there and a Big Ten team in there and they just have to hold serve going through and win their conference titles... Same with TCU, same with Georgia. Then I would say bye-bye to LSU as well as um, USC. LSU does have to play Georgia. So again, USC is more than likely going to, they're going to be able to jump two spots. They may end up as the four, but they're going to be able to jump 
twice because Michigan and Ohio State have to cancel each other out. Georgia and LSU have to play in the SEC title game next weekend, so eventually they will cancel each other out. So this is going to be very interesting going forward. Um, I want to say happy holidays to you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, upcoming happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, as far as this weekend, I hope you enjoy family, football, and food. Don't eat too much turkey. Get those Christmas trees up if they're not already up. Get in the holiday spirit or get the menorah out if you're Jewish and you celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, I wish the best for everyone and their families during the holidays. I can't wait to see what happens over the weekend uh, as far as rivalry weekend. Um, if you want to hear these episodes early when they drop on Patreon, you have to subscribe to patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont experience. You can also follow me over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Derek Lamont experience as well. Uh, again, I'm very, very excited. I cannot wait for kickoff. Um, I'm going to end this like I end every other episode of the podcast. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. My name is Derek Lamont Jackson. That is my time for this evening. You guys have a good one. Again, happy Thanksgiving.